folks, and thanks for joining me today at Avocados and Reese's Cups. We just passed Passover and Easter, and I definitely had both avocados uh, through guacamole. We're able to go to our best favorite Mexican restaurant and sit outside, even though it's been chilly. And I definitely had some Reese's peanut butter cup eggs during Easter. So uh, we celebrate all holidays in our house, both Christian and Jewish holidays. And, uh, you know, Reese's peanut butter cup eggs don't have a denomination. They're just good. So anyway, that's another reason why I named the podcast what I did. I wanted it to be something fun and cute. And, uh, and hopefully it is. In any case, I wanted to jump on and talk about apologies. Um, listen, in Judaism, if someone offers you a heartfelt apology and you don't accept it, then all of that comes onto you. So if someone gives you a heartfelt apology, you have to accept it. And I had to do that this week, but now I did not apologize. I received an apology. Let me be clear about that. The apology was definitely, um, not given of the person's completely own volition. I think if I had to say it was probably 60, 40, it was 40% someone else telling them that they owed me an apology and I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and say 60% of it was the person. Um, so I accepted it of course, because as a Jew and as a human person, I know that I need to accept that apology. It was not given in a flippant way. It was not given in a, it was given in a um, heartfelt way. So I'm going to accept that. Um, I don't want to, you know, dicker about the fact that it wasn't their idea. Maybe in their heart it was, and they needed a push. So I'm going to give them that. But what I want to say about people offering apologies is this, okay? Because this goes back to my childhood and the way that I was raised or raised myself as the case may be. Now, of course, my dad was in my life and raised me until I was 16 when he died. My mom never raised me or my brother because she didn't have the capability to do anything for anybody else. Um, she did for people when it looked good. She did for my brother and I these elaborate birthday parties, but that was so she could invite people over and take pictures of it. If social media had been invented, my mother would have been all over social media with pictures of our birthday parties. But that wasn't even a glimmer in our eye when I was growing up, okay? Um, my dad was a stabilizing force. He was unconditional love, which we didn't get from my mother. Definitely not. Um, and so how I was raised was to apologize when I'm sorry when I've made a mistake, when I've hurt someone, and to accept an apology when it's given in a heartfelt way. However, I also know that I was owed an apology from my mother for 
ruining our family and it was never given to me. So you also have to learn in life to realize that there are apologies that you deserve to get that you won't get. And that can be difficult. And we all have to accept that as adults. We don't have to accept that person back into our lives if they are not sorry for what they have done. And some people, some people don't apologize because they're afraid of looking bad. Some people don't apologize because they're honestly not sorry. They do what they do and they do not care. And so we have to deal with all those people in life as adults. You have to deal with people who give you a heartfelt apology. Maybe it's not immediate, but they think about it. They know that they did wrong and they apologize. And as an adult person, we should all follow that model. If you F up and you're like, oh, Jesus, I can't believe I did that, then call the person. And if you're not confident enough to see them in person, maybe you're a little embarrassed by what you did. I get that. Been there. Then text them, call them, send them an email, send them a handwritten note. But make the apology in some way. It's important. It's vital to admit when you're wrong because none of us are right all the time. I certainly am not. I certainly fuck up on the regular and I try to make sure that I admit it and apologize to the person. If that's, if it's a person that's involved, if I've, I've inadvertently done something to someone because I would never do something on purpose to hurt someone. Now, when you have a situation where you never got an apology from your mother who's now dead for being a selfish narcissistic bitch and basically when you were a little girl and you needed your family um just completely obliterating your entire life and marrying someone who was a vile disgusting abuser who then came into your house and abused you and your brother causing decades of pain and suffering. Um, I'm not going to get that apology from my mother. I'm going to hope that she realizes what she did. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to hope that she's at peace. I don't know if she is. I don't know the answer to that. And I'm going to live my life differently, which I have done all of my adulthood not being a narcissist, being as unselfish as I can be, caring about other people, being empathetic. It's not hard for me. It's just how I'm hardwired. Thankfully, I got that from my dad. And so did my brother. Neither one of us have that malignant narcissist attitude that my mother had. And I will also say that I don't know if my mother was abused as a child. I have no clue. My grandparents were divorced. Um, My mother had a stepfather. I was in their house all the time. Uh, My mother, now as I look back, I can see that after she divorced or actually not, my dad would be working. My dad worked in a think tank. And if he, we would stay at my grandmother's. Let me say it this way. We would stay at my grandmother's overnight. 
I don't know if it was a weekday. I don't know if she drove us to school um, when we weren't boarding. I don't know. Um, but my mother dumped us a lot. I remember that. And we did have a nanny, even though my mother was a stay-at-home mom, um, because my dad didn't trust her. My mother was mentally ill. And back in those days, you just didn't do anything about it. You just didn't do anything. You just kind of said Marlene was weird. And that's what my, my aunt says. And it's just, that's just the time we didn't address it. And of course we know now, and it is even more important with this pandemic, that we address people's mental health. And we need to do that as a country. We need to do that as families. We need to do that as communities because it is something that is not someone's fault. I'm not blaming my mother for her mental illness. Not at all. But I think when you know something's wrong with you, you need to address it. And if you can't address it yourself by saying, well, I've been doing this and I need to stop doing it or I need to change it. If it's something that is a chemical imbalance in your brain, that's not your fault at all. And that requires medication and therapy and, and all sorts of things. And we should help people be more mentally healthy, not make them feel bad for being mentally ill. And I 100% I agree with that, especially growing up with a mother that was mentally ill, because it's very difficult on the entire family and especially the children if they have a parent who's mentally ill and it's uncontrolled. If, if someone, if a parent is mentally ill and it is controlled and they are in therapy and taking medication, kudos to you. Kudos to you for getting help. And I give my brother a ton of props because he is working really hard on his mental health and we are giving him a safe place to be while he does that. And, you know, we expect and want my brother to be with us forever because that's what my dad wanted. My dad wanted us all to have our own separate spaces within a home, um, to have our own separate lives. Um, and that's what we're working to do. And my brother does have his own space in our house. We're very fortunate that the first owners of our condo had it set up so that their son, their adult son, could have his own it's not a real apartment, but it's a quote unquote apartment where it has a bathroom, a living room, a bedroom, closet space. We have a little kitchenette set up for my brother. He has his own entrance and exit. Um, and we're happy to do that. And we're happy to have him there uh, because we all support each other. And there are times when, you know, I needed help with something and I kind of forgot that I could call my brother because he's here. And it's been really nice. It's been really nice for him and it's been really nice for us. So I think it's important to, as this is about apologies, giving them and receiving them, um, that we all remember that it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to admit that you're wrong. And even if it's been a long, long time, it is important to apologize. I was able to do that. Um, unfortunately with my mother's mental illness and her narcissistic behavior, um, when my dad passed away, she told us a lot of lies about my uncle, who's my father's brother and my cousins and my aunt. And when you're a kid, even a teenager, 
Um, you don't think that your mother's lying to you. I did not have the realization that my mother was as mentally ill as she was at that age. When my dad passed away, I was 16. My brother was 13. You trust your parent. I, of course, came to the realization that I couldn't trust my mother, but it really took up until I was 40 years old because it just took that long. I don't know why. Um, there were many signs. There were many um, issues that came up. As, as she aged, it, her mental illness got even worse. But I was terrified to contact my uncle, my aunt, my cousins. I was terrified, and they know that. And so if they're listening to this, they, they already know this. But right around when I turned 40 and I confronted my mother and she handled it just horribly, which is not surprising given her mental illness, um, I sent my cousin a letter. I wrote out, I typed out a letter and sent it to her. And I was able to, and I'm so grateful for this, to see my uncle before he passed, to be in his life, um, to be there at the hospital to support him, to visit him um, before he passed away and to apologize to him and for us to talk about it. Um, you know, I always thought that I came from a severely dysfunctional family and I did on that side, the side that I grew up on. But I'm very fortunate that my B family, I don't say the last name on this podcast, um, but my dad's side of the family um, does talk things out and is normal and is happy to listen and talk things out and work things out. And I'm so, 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 I can't even express how grateful I am, but I was able to apologize to my uncle for not having contact with him and explaining to him that while I take responsibility because I'm an adult, here's why it took so long. And I mean, he knew my, my mother as a young woman. Um, he knew that something was wrong with her and, um, you know, he, he could understand it. And I will always be grateful for that, for him accepting my apology for my cousins doing the same, even though it was, it's still very difficult for them. And I, I get that too. Um, but make the apology, even if it's 20 years in the making, even if the person never answers you, even if you send off a letter and it, they never respond back, just, you know, that you made that apology. You said I was wrong and I should have known better. I should have done better. I should have whatever it is, insert here what your apology would be. And when someone comes to you with a heartfelt apology, try to receive it without anger. Try to understand that that person is sticking their neck out. If you feel it's heartfelt. Now, if you feel it was forced and they're just saying, yeah, sorry, whatever, you know, that's no, no. And that's why sometimes we have to understand that there isn't going to be an apology for something right away because the person in that moment might still think they're right or that they're in the right. And then upon reflection, they realize that they're not. And 
that's okay because we're all human beings and we all have to process things and we have to be able to give other people the ability to process what they've done, what they've said, and then potentially get that apology. And it may never come. And if it never comes, then you have to remember that's on them. That is on them. And you don't ever have to apologize for what you've done or said if you feel strongly that you're not sorry for it. Because there are times when people expect an apology from us and we don't owe them an apology. Like you don't owe someone an apology for having strong feelings about something. You don't owe someone an apology for um, being passionate about it. You do owe people an apology if your delivery was nasty, disruptive, negative, rude, mean. You can apologize for your delivery, but not your views. And you can stand strong in your views and not have to apologize. Just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean you have to apologize to them. But how you treat other people is important. And none of us is perfect at it. I'm certainly not. As I said earlier, I fuck up on on the daily. And I try and think about it and go, oh, God. Okay, let me, let me apologize for that. Because it's important how we treat other people because we see that people who don't care how they treat other people, they don't care who they hurt. They don't care who's upset. They don't care who's harmed physically. Those are not people that we want to be. And so take that apology when it's heartfelt and give that apology when it's heartfelt and don't be afraid to don't be afraid that you're going to look foolish or be embarrassed because if you're truly sorry, if you're truly sorry, then you won't feel that way. You might in that moment, but seconds later, you'll feel better. You'll feel better than ever for making that apology. And even if it's to your own family members inside your home, it's important to apologize. People always say, okay, well, my sister knows me and she knows I didn't mean that. Or my husband knows I didn't mean that. Or he, no, in our house, we apologize. My husband will sometimes tell me my language with my brother is a little rough and I'll go downstairs and apologize to him. And he'll tell me, you're my sister. You don't need to apologize to me. And I'll say, no, I do need to apologize to you. Michael was right. My, my language was a little sharp with you and I don't need to be like that. And I need to work on it. And that's how we should all be. We shouldn't treat the people in our own home worse than we treat the people that we meet on the street. They should be treated equally as well. So I hope that you're having a great Friday in Massachusetts. We're enjoying lovely weather right now. So enjoy that and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.